0: Box and the Bagel is a production of Kenjamin Media, a curated series of conversations about things that matter. For more information about our podcast, please go to KenjaminMedia.com. But, but I think this thing about, about time especially, I mean, because there, there's very few other... I mean, you can have a book, right? And you can read a book when you're 10 and you can read it when you're 50. So that, can, that character can be meaningful to you. But that character is not growing, right? That character is the same... I mean, your perception of it may change as you age. Your understanding of it may change. But there's something very unique. There's something unique about a character in a TV show different than a film or a book, which is a a fixed character that doesn't change
1: over time. Right. It changes over the course of the book, but once you finish the book...
0: Right, it's it's fixed, it's in a fixed thing. But when you watch a, with, but a 17 year, I mean, this is unique because not that many shows go on for 17 years, but I mean, a, a show like that, even a seven year show, you develop a relationship, but a 17 year show, and just like any other thing that goes 17 years, there were bad years. Mario and I were talking about this the other night. There were like years where the show just didn't seem very good. You know, they were sort of lost, they weren't sure where they were going, but that also mirrors relationships, right? I mean, that's sort of a, a healthy understanding of like in a 20 year marriage, there are going to be a couple of years probably where things are not at their best.
1: Well, I don't know that I miss it that much because, Aha! Uh-huh. well, yeah, because of the because of like the people uh-huh. because of the people that I spend time with. I mean, the people that I spend time with are perfectly capable of putting their phones down and just having conversation and, and engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I feel like there's there's a I don't know. I, I do feel like there's more of a disconnect. I feel like more and more people are less and less comfortable connecting meaningfully in even small ways with other people because, they have, because they're, they're communicating so much through text mm-hmm. that the um, – right. um, I, I don't even want to say the art of, of conversation. I mean, I think there is an art to conversation, but I think that just, just the, that muscle – I, I just, people don't know how to talk to each other anymore.
0: Yeah, it's different. I mean, it definitely has changed the way we interact generally.
1: I think I've said mm. on this, I think I've said when we've been talking, I, I have to ask clients when they say I was talking to so-and-so, I have to ask right, them. what you meant. Do you mean that you were texting or do you mean you were speaking to them?
0: Yeah, I do that with my daughter all the time too, because she'll say I talked to somebody and she what she means is I texted them. I mean that that has become a generic talk has become a generic idea. And by the way, generationally, I mean I, I refer to this all the time. But there's that line from Kim's Convenience where uh, the the friend of the main character says to her, they're talking about smartphones and and communicating, and she says like they're talking. to Her father, who's an older man, he's talking about calling her on the phone, and and the other and the girl's friend says somebody called me the other day, and then she looks there says who does that, mm-hmm. and the, the friend says did you answer it's like no of course not who does that like who would call you <laughs> right. just text me I, what do i the well, they're calling you i mean that's just an interesting difference like you and i there are levels of communication that we were taught to value one is human connection human interaction in-person conversation and then letter writing which i don't do at all you probably you might still do because you your mother had incredible penmanship and that gets handed down um but uh but that was also seen as a meaningful way to communicate, right? And that was something that was thoughtful and took time, and you thought it out, and you could edit it, and and you know, and it took time to get to somebody. So there was an anticipation to it. There was a there was a whole process to that, that was meaningful in many on many levels. And then there was the phone call, yeah. which came into being when we were kids. I remember getting my first phone when I was thirteen at my bar mitzvah, getting my own phone line. Yeah. What a big deal that was! Being able to talk on the phone whenever I wanted for as long as I wanted. Huge deal.
1: I would argue that I would argue that letter writing is still is still meaningful to people. No one does it anymore. But I, 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 if you've ever received a letter in the mail, I, I don't think there's mm-hmm. anybody who gets a letter and goes big deal. I don't care.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that's true anymore. I think that's still maybe a holdover in your value system from a different era. I'm not sure that's true of your daughter's generation or my daughter's generation in the same
1: way. I'm not sure. I, I, it'll be impossible to prove, uh, based on my uh, just <laughs> pure. No, it's just purely, uh, you know, observational data. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen someone get a letter and not be excited to get a piece of mail. Yeah, maybe that might be true. People, but people like I, it. They like getting letters. It's 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 yeah. it's, it's also unusual.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely become much more of a novelty in that way, right? So yeah. it is, it does stand out. Yeah. But um, but you know, it's also the ability to communicate in so many ways and so quickly without having to deal with people is is a, is a and having some anonymity in some ways to it has made more communication happen. You could argue less meaningful, but more.
1: Yeah, I listen. I, I use text messages all the time. I Me think too. I think text messaging is extremely convenient. Cause maybe I don't have a shit ton to say to you. Maybe I just want to say, see you at three. I'm confirming I'll right. be there. And I don't need to make a phone call for that.
0: Right. And and on some level though, on a human in, in, in relationship level though, it's also easier to you can you can text message someone and say, Hey, I was just thinking of you, which sounds nice, but it's also a way to not have a deeper conversation. You know? So like uh, and again, Maybe it's meaningful. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, the way we communicate has changed so dramatically, and what has been lost and what has been gained. I think you can, we can still debate this forever, and I'm not sure there's an there's an answer to any of it. I don't it. think there.
1: I don't think there is an answer. I think that there are, um, as with most things. I, I mean, there are things. There are things we've gained and there are things that we have lost. And there's some of us who sort of have, have held on to right. stuff that maybe we don't even need to hold on to anymore. You know, I don't know, but I, I do feel like like the ability to communicate effectively, it feels on on the wane. It feels on mm. the wane. I, there, well, there's so much that is lost in text messaging. Mm-hmm. and, well, and the text true. messaging. Nuance. Yeah, nuance, tone. Tone humor yeah it it is so it is all so tenuous and i i really feel like that's that is lost
0: well and, and the other reality is though until the uh electromagnetic pulse bombs come like you can't put the genie back in the bottle so we are where we are and so you adapt and we learn to to use these things in ways that make us feel good and meaningful and try to minimize the ways that don't although that's challenging as well. I mean, for people who are isolated, the ability to communicate in these ways and not having to have those experiences that you find and you and I both find so meaningful, those personal human interactions allows people to communicate who never were able to before. So that might be helpful.
1: Right. And I think that some. yeah, and I think that I think that in the end what it comes down to is is your value system. And because this stuff is you know, it, it's being adopted earlier and earlier by children. We're really talking about the value systems of their parents, right? right. And so, you know, if I think that it's rude and um, it's rude to be on your phone at dinner, and it's important mm-hmm. if you're sitting at dinner with people to just be able to talk with them, then, you know, my kid probably will take up that value
0: until until, and unless they are in around a group of people who are, don't have that value and are all behaving in a different way and they feel left out or they feel like, oh, this is a value system and it's different than mine, but I want to take it up because everyone else is doing it. So it's complicated that way. I wonder if though, if you think it's analogous, like, do you remember when <laughs> this was a thing I remember from childhood? And I think some of this had to do with divorce family versus married family, but not all of it, but uh, there's also values, right? I don't remember at your house ever having dinner. Well, in your little kitchen dinner the little breakfast nookie area or the main dining room, there were not TVs in either of those rooms, right? That's my memory.
1: Yeah, you're right. We didn't do that. Right. But I think there are right. a lot of now, families that put TVs in those rooms.
0: Well, that that's exactly the point I was making. It's like, is it similar with what you just described with texting and being on the phone? Is that similar to our childhood's experience, our childhood experience of having TVs during dinner versus talking and not having TV? Yeah, that's a, I know great, a lot of oh, people. That's a
1: great analog,
0: yeah. That's what came to me. Yeah, it's a great, because I, yeah, you know, it's a great because I remember. I remember in my family, in my two different households. Although I didn't live with my mother very much after the divorce. I mean, after I moved to my dad, I didn't really sleep in my mother's. But my dad's, we we had a dining room. But I, and this is not an embellishment or exaggeration. And some people might find this horrifying. But in the eight years I lived with my dad from ten to eighteen, I'm not sure we ever had dinner at that table together. Maybe once or twice. Maybe I don't have any specific memory of it. But I know we had a table, and it was in the dining area, but the living room and the dining area were sort of next to each other, and there was a TV there, and I had a TV in my room. My dad had a TV in his room. My brother, I think, had a TV in his room. I don't remember ever going in there. But I often remember eating. We'd order food from Chicken Delight down the corner, um, and we'd each take it into our respective spaces. My dad would eat in the living room. Sometimes I would eat with my dad on the coffee table watching TV. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes I would just take it into my room, watch TV. My dad would be upstairs in the living room watching TV, which I could hear. And my brother was probably in his room watching TV also.
1: Well, and, and it's interesting because my memory of you from, for years and years is that I, you never had the TV off. It was... N- Where? Um, like... At my house?
0: I don't, how often were we at? I don't when, remember whenever, ever being at my whenever apartment.
1: I was, whenever I was at your place, the TV was on.
0: Yeah, you were at my place maybe a handful of times. Though. I mean, I don't remember us spending much time at my apartment as friends. Are you talking about I'm
1: really, on Do, talking about Doheny?
0: Yeah, what are you talking no, about? Talking, you're talking about when I'm you're ta- older? Yeah, I'm
1: talking about when you're oh, older. Oh, you know, like
0: your 20s yeah. or something. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm saying how right. that informed who you, you know, what you're having. Right,
0: Well, exactly. My childhood was all, the TV was on all the time. Yeah, and
1: I remember I have a distinct memory of thinking to myself, wow, his TV's never off. Yes, because there's always something to watch. Yeah, and but but I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm just saying, yeah, I noticed it, and it was, it was yeah.
0: Well, because it was so dramatically different than your childhood experience.
1: Yeah, but I but I I remember having a friend. I remember also being at my friend's house, Charles, mm-hmm. and I remember like like watching TV in the breakfast room, and I'm thinking to right. myself, this is cool. I've never watched TV in the breakfast room, and I right. and I thought it was cool. You know, I loved it. Of course.
0: And in our childhood, they invented something called the TV tray. It was literally a tray that you'd put food on and sit in front of the TV and watch. I don't know if it was invented in our childhood. I think it was invented earlier. But, yeah, but I'm saying, like, much. we had TV. <laughs> we, I think it was invented in the 50s. But we had TV trays yeah. in our house. Oh, yeah, uh, And we would sit. Uh, we didn't use trays. I remember this. Actually, this is my a few vague pictorial, pictorial memories from my five to 10 years when I lived with my mother in those years after the divorce. I have a few vague memories of TV trays. But beyond that, I mean, in the, in my adolescence, I don't think we had TV trays because we either used the coffee table or we each just ate in our own room. We I probably we, ate in my bed.
1: We have a TV tray here. You know why? You could uh, actually your answer, mother, you could actually answer. Because your mother left them. No, because when you and I lived together as adults, you said, How come you don't have a TV tray? Can you get a TV tray? <laughs> and so we got one and now we have one.
0: But you know what? You know, in my storage unit right now, where I have all of the things I own, I have two TV trays that were your mother's. I have your mother's TV, two you of them have anyway. One TV, tray. <laughs> TV trays. Yeah, because they were very meaningful. There were those nice wood ones, which I used as coffee tables have, at some we point.
1: We have your TV tray and you have my mother's TV tray. That's the way these things work.
0: All right then. Um yeah, but I mean, you you have a TV. Think of your apartment right now. You have a TV in the living room, right? It's the only place. Yeah. You don't have a TV in your bedroom, right? Correct. Right. Which is very unusual for the modern era, I would argue. You know, you intellectuals with the books and everything and the talking. <laughs> <laughs> with the books and the talking with and the everything.
1: Reading and the sleeping.
0: God damn you. <laughs> Fucking elitist um yeah that's funny um but yeah the tv i mean the t i I, you know i mean i've said this many times but the i I was raised on tv tv raised me movies and tv if not for movies and tv i don't think i would have survived my adolescence i mean i know i wouldn't have survived my adolescence if i didn't have movies or tvs to to look to to feel to connect with to to just pass the time in some ways but uh, yeah that was a huge thing but it's interesting how that technology i mean you know You think about, I think about as a therapist, right? The like clients that I'd had in the past who were isolated and felt alone and didn't have friends and felt like nobody saw them and connecting with media. I mean, before that it was literature and some people, it still is literature. They connect with a character in a book and they, they read that over and over again. They feel something, they feel not alone. Right. But I mean, movies and TV did that for me.
1: And that's, and that, you know, it is a wonderful line from Shadowlands, um, that Anthony Hopkins says is C.S. Lewis. And I, I, I don't know if C.S. Lewis actually said this or not, but we read to know that we're not alone. Yeah. And, I, and I think, and I, and I want to make sure like, I don't, I don't have a judgment about TV. I don't even have a judgment. I don't have a judgment about video games. I don't have a judgment about TV. It's, it's entertainment. That's yes. it. It's entertainment. Everyone needs to be entertained. Do you know well,
0: and and I would argue though, what sort of the point we're going toward is it's much more, it can also be much more than entertainment. It can be life well, sustaining. It can be connection for people right. who don't have any I, other connection. Right.
1: I was going to say I, really, what we're talking about in the end is storytelling for a lot of for a lot of this. not like' if you're just on your phone playing solitaire. But when it comes to watching television or or reading or watching movies, you know it's it's about being drawn into a story and not feeling. Uh, And 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 not, you know. Often it's 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 either a disconfirmation of our uniqueness, right? right? In a a good way, or it is um, making us feel something about people that we don't, we haven't felt anything for before, or we don't know anything about.
0: Right? Or or or. And this is harder for you to understand, maybe, but maybe not. But it's giving us an opportunity to feel. In feel in relationship to someone else, even if it's made up, but it's a, it, it's an emotion. it It's evocative. it it brings us to a place of emotion that we may not have in our actual lives. And every human needs that experience of connecting with others in an emotional way. I mean, it's it's such foundationally human. And people who are lonely or isolate themselves or are depressed mm-hmm. have that experience of not feeling emotion, any meaningful, positive, joyful even sad emotion but that's not about self-worth or or negative self-worth or depression. And the ability to be able to put on Netflix on your computer or on your phone even no matter where you are at any moment allows us to have those connections and to feel something that might otherwise just spiral into something very negative and despairing. Yep.
1: And I um, I'm th- you know, Shonda Rhimes I think and I've never seen a Shonda Rhimes' show episode of any of anything. <laughs> but Shonda Rhimes, you know, deserves some kind of an award. So many of my clients, and you will understand this because I think you've, yeah. you've watched Grey's Anatomy. Or, I or, do. My daughter and I both. But um, so many of my clients, it, 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 it's uncanny, really. Like that's what they do. They watch Grey's Anatomy and it, to make to to make them feel better, to make them feel not alone, and to make them feel yeah. connected to, to to people that they have come to uh, know and um, have some kind of relationship with. Right.
0: They've built a rela- I mean, and, and by the way, a show that's been on for seventeen years. That's the span of people's lives half their lives their adult lives you know that's a kind of relationship that again people who struggle with relationships in in real life who don't have those kinds of long-term meaningful relationships you can watch a character like meredith gray the ellen pompeo the main character in Mer- who's been doing this for 17 years and you can watch her grow and watch her husband die and watch her wait kids wait be wait, born wait and watch her, her husband th- dies. <laughs> yes derek Shepard. although he you know spoiler alert He's shown up after a multi-year absence from the show, after leaving the show eight, six, seven years Did he ago. Did not actually uh, die? No, he's dead. He's showing up in her dreams now. It's a huge thing for the show. It's been a huge, my daughter and I had like an hour long conversation about this the other night, by the way, it's a huge deal. But, it, but I mean, the point is, it's, it's so interesting because, because you're talking about 17 year relationship with somebody watching her go from a, a young medical student to a married woman, to an accomplished surgeon, to a mother, to losing people. Oh, I mean, your widow. sister died. You forget widow. She's widowed. Right, widow. I'm just saying, like, there all the human experience is embodied in this character. Mm-hmm. And Shonda Rhyme's show, I mean what she did so amazingly, is she created something that resonated with millions of people and developed it. You know, and you can say, well, these are trite stories, but she's introduced so many social issues in that show. I mean, so people see themselves Reflected. It's an incredibly diverse cast of characters with successful people from all ethnicities and, and genders and races. And and I mean it's it's very diverse. It's very broad and it's very human. And so people can can see their own lives reflected. They can see their hopes reflected. They can see tragedy reflected. I'm saying, like sometimes we diminish. I mean, especially when we were younger, we used to talk about oh, TV, TV, you know. Well, I mean, you know, in the show business world, TV was not as big a deal. It was less meaningful, it was less you know, uh, important in many ways, but TV has become sort of the place where everyone is now. And because of streaming and because of all the, there's so many options and and so much content, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of human connection that's, that exists in those relationships.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when, I think that there are people who, who write for television or work in television and they don't, necessarily think that, that what they're doing is particularly life-altering in any way. Yeah, um, maybe. And, and I can tell you that that's not true.
0: Yeah. No, it's really not. But, but I think this thing about, about time especially, I mean, because there, there's very few other, I mean, you can have a book, right? And you can read a book when you're 10 and you can read it when you're 50. So that, can, that character can be meaningful to you. But that character is not growing. Right. That character is the same. Your perception of it may change as you age. Your understanding of it may change. But there's something very unique. There's something unique about a character in a TV show different than a film or a book, which is a a fixed character
1: that doesn't change over time. Right. It changes over the course of the book. But once you finish the book...
0: Right. It's it's yeah. fixed. It's in a fixed thing. But when you watch it, but a 17 year, I mean, this is unique because not that many shows go on for 17 years. But I mean, a, a show like that, even a seven year show, you develop a relationship, but a 17 year show. And just like any other thing that goes 17 years, there were bad years. My, Marie and I were talking about this the other night. There were like years where the show just didn't seem very good. You know, they were sort of lost. They weren't sure where they were going, but that also mirrors relationships. Right. I mean, that's sort of a, a healthy understanding of like in a 20 year marriage, there are going to be a couple of years probably where things are not at their best and you maybe think of leaving or maybe you're not happy or you're trying to ride it out and come to a different place or make sense of yourself in some way that having, you're having a hard time engaged, you know, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: I mean, it's so interesting how a show like this, I mean, this show specifically because it has tackled social issues and because it's, it's diverse in ways that a lot of other shows have never been. And it's it's had a lot of, you know, it's very public and it's been going on for almost two decades. I just think it's fascinating. Um, what, what, what comes of that and technology and relationship. And it's all, it's all just right there. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you could do, I was talking to Mariana about this. You could do a whole, you know, podcast for five years, 10 years, just talking about deconstructing this show. And looking at the impact this show has and, and what it means and what they've talked about and how it affects people and, you know, all those relationships with the characters. I and can't how believe there's not Rome. a Grey's
1: Anatomy podcast.
0: It's interesting, right? Because there's all these the, the huge thing now in the podcasting world, is right. these, these these TV relate, like the West Wing, yeah. where they take one episode at a time. Sopranos, office. The a couple yeah. of women from the office do that. Yep. Yeah. There's all these shows. Yeah. At some point there probably will be. But uh, anyway, it's just, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I, and I think it speaks to how, Everything for both of us, and I would argue all humanity, it's always at the core of all meaning is relationship, mm-hmm. right? How we engage in relationship, how we're affected, how we're engaging, what it means to us. you know Everything is is funneled through our relationships. They're the foundation of our lives. Uh, and technology and our relationship with technology, with smartphones, with texting, with the way we communicate, with how we can communicate differently now than we could when we were kids, with multiple communications, we can have multiple people in different cities and still see each other. I mean, Thanksgiving this year, although I don't, uh, you know, I didn't do this. A lot of people had Thanksgiving over multiple cities on a screen where they would, they ate together and watched each other over screens, right? Because of the pandemic that never would have been possible before. So.
1: Right. Also a million people flew the day before Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. that's a whole other kettle of fish, my friend, as we used to say,
1: (sighs) that is a whole other kettle of fish, but thank God the
0: devil. Mitch McConnell is, is resisting any opportunity to help those of us struggling in the country with either unemployment or hospitals. You know, I just read that uh, the hospitals in Los Angeles are almost overflowing. I just read a thing about Rhode Island, Providence, that the hospitals are full. They're having now mobile hospitals. You know, I mean, this is a huge nationwide problem. But let's let the devil not give help anybody out because the country's fine for rich, white, older Republicans. All good. Fucking the devil. Yeah, anything else you have to add? <laughs> you yeah. have any words of wisdom, Shakespeare?
1: I don't, I, but I was just thinking about um, when you say, like, sure, that, you know, there were some years when it wasn't good. You know, people who are lonely don't care if the show is good anymore. They just want, there's the, the characters are still there. I mean, I'm generalizing. But, I'm sure there's some, lo- well, I'm sure there's some, some person who has a deep relationship with loneliness or depression who also is upset that the show's not as good but well you know but
0: i I was gonna what i was gonna add to that is you can watch a show for the two years that it's in a dip and you can yell at the screen just like at a sporting event you can yell like this is ridiculous come on chandra get back in the game you know i mean you can say things like that but you can still be in the relationship
1: yeah
0: right like you can have a bad couple of years with your best friend with your mother, with your wife. And and
1: this goes to this idea of relationship because you're in relationship to the characters. And we could have a discussion about like, well, you know, it's not really a relationship if the characters, you know, aren't. Yeah. I think that's bullshit. I think it's also irrelevant, but you know, I think that's, but you you know, but you have a relationship with uh, the characters, but you also have a relationship with the show in general, which is what you're saying. You know, and with the people who make the show.
0: Right. I mean, it's, 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 those relationships are real. I don't think they should be diminished in any way. I mean, you can say, well, that's not the same thing. You say, well, of course it's not the same thing as having a wife or a brother, but it's, but it doesn't mean it's any less meaningful. This is the point. Right. Like we're not placing a hierarchy and a value system on which relationships matter. We're talking about being in relationship, which is the thing that matters. And I remember Michael White, the father of narrative therapy, used to talk about this a lot when I, I saw him speak a few times in San Francisco and somewhere else. And he used to talk about this a lot and he would develop these these ideas these, he would help people develop an understanding that people who would say like nobody loves me I don't I don't have any relationships that are meaningful and then he would pick pick up a piece of a thread of somebody's relationship to Winnie the Pooh or Jane Austen or some character in something and he would develop he would question them about that experience and after 30 40 minutes of this conversation, you would see, That is a meaningful relationship to this person. They didn't understand it as such because there's no support in their world for that idea that a relationship doesn't necessarily just have to be with your wife or your brother, your son or your father, your mother. But like that connection, that helping somebody make that connection to that relationship and to that meaning was incredibly helpful in these conversations. It was powerful to watch. And I had never, never seen anybody... Do that before, and I it changed the way I thought about these things dramatically. I had never I never really thought of it this way either, till I saw it. I saw what he was able to do with people to help them connect with that as as important. Mm-hmm. So someone would walk into a session saying, "I don't have any meaningful relationships," and they would leave literally one hour later saying, "Like no, this like, uh, you know Jane Austen, or let's just use Jane Austen as a, an idea, just the character, the the name it was like Jane and I are are cl- friends." She makes me feel alive. She makes me feel seen. That's not to be diminished. That's not to be ridiculed. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Does that that make sense to you, obviously, right? Uh,
1: Yes, it does. It makes perfect sense. Yeah,
0: but again, it's not something we're taught is supposed to be meaningful, and we're also often ridiculed for things like that and diminished culturally for for talking about things in that way. Yeah. And, And I think a show like Grey's Anatomy, which some people say, oh, it's a fluffy TV show, you know. Whatever,
1: yeah, well but it's also yeah. many other things I'll give you a perfect example of that um so one of the things that I do with clients sometimes is uh, we work on internal resources um, and we use like gu- guided imagery and and things like and one of the things we'll do is this is specifically a, a, and often around uh EMDR therapy, which is a p- kind of trauma mm-hmm. therapy um and we'll say, you know, I'll, I'll ask, um, you know, I want you to imagine a, um, like, a, a nurturing figure or a, a wisdom figure or a protector figure. And it doesn't have to be a, a real person, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it could just be someone that you've from a book or a movie, whatever. You know, and I had a client who chose a character from a game, sh- from a video game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine that's very common. As their
1: protector. Right. And this character was a character that she felt deeply connected to, and mm-hmm. that when she imagined being in this character's presence, she felt very safe.
0: Yeah, and I bet you, if you did brain scans in that moment, you would see
1: whatever is produced when somebody feels safe produced. Oh, no question about it. That's the point. Yeah, that's right. entirely the point. You, you, Your right. brain. And this is an, and it's this, totally real. Well, right, and this is. There's here's an interesting um, tidbit. Um, you know, when you, if you imagine yourself in the presence of, say, you know, a protective figure or a nurturing figure, or whatever, if you use enough detail, if you populate that uh, imagery richly, mm-hmm. richly enough, right? Yeah, um, your brain cannot distinguish between thinking about it and being there. Right. As far as your brain is concerned, that's what's happening which is why you end up feeling better.
0: Right. That's, that's, that makes the point really beautiful. And so
1: that's, and, and so you certainly couldn't argue that my client didn't have a relationship with that character.
0: Right. And you couldn't argue that it wasn't, wasn't a meaningful relationship that was helpful in her life. And that, that's, that's good. I mean, that's just a good thing wherever it comes from. That's a good thing. All right. Last question. Did you have a big question for this week?
1: I did have a big question. What is it? Um, what is... And I can't remember because I, I asked you something. No, no, no. No, I remember. But I asked you something. But mm-hmm. I, what I want you to do is, is remind me. Because I asked you something like this. And I don't remember because uh, I don't want to ask you the same question, but it, there's a different question, and I don't know if you actually used it on, okay. on a podcast. Just ask
0: the, just, well, thank God you d- couldn't ask a question without qualifying it for 20 minutes first, because then I would be confused. Yeah. Go on.
1: Okay, so that was 11 seconds. So what is something that you think people misunderstand about you?
0: <laughs> God. This is supposed to be a quick final question of the podcast. This is a quick final question. It's the big question. The big question is a quick final question. That's how I define it. But anyway, um what is one thing people misunderstand about me? The, I tell you, okay. The the I think the biggest thing people misunderstand about me is because I speak in kind of a glib, playful way, the way I speak, the tone and inflection and and language I use often, they don't often see how intensely sensitive and emotional I am. Mm. Somehow that obscures that for people. When for me it just feels like a like a playful way to talk about it. But, but the way we're supposed to perceive those things, I think culturally, people don't see it mm. sometimes. They think I'm just glib when I'm really very, sens- very sensitive and emotional. So I think that's the biggest thing. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good one. All right, let me ask you the big question. <laughs> it's very different. What new law would you create nationwide? If you could create any single law mm-hmm. that should exist in our country, what law would you create that you see a, a need
1: for? I don't think bath towels should come with that embroidery <laughs> thing that goes across. I don't understand.
0: Like Yeah, that's a good one. You know,
1: you know what I'm talking about? The ba- the sure. things they come, they have the bath that they have that kind of embroidery. It's supposed to be schmancy, but it's not soft. Yeah. It's not soft. It does not particularly absorb it, it doesn't feel good. I want the whole towel to just be soft and, and absorbent I don't I don't yeah
0: Jimmy Jimmy Jimmy's our research assistant Jimmy if you could research why that towels have that what that where that came from I'm sure there's a context for that we'll get back because sp- that one. It's supposed I think it's, it's a good to be
1: point I, I, would, I would make a yeah, lot. I, would, I don't, that's I, the law I'm
0: holding a towel I'm like literally touching that part of a towel right now and I'm thinking yeah that's ridiculous It is. why do they interrupt the softness of the towel with that fucking piece of Mitch McConnell, the devil shit. Right. That's what that's what I call that part of the town okay. now. I call it the Mitch McConnell yeah. devil shit. Yeah. That makes no sense at all. You know what else? Just so, since we're on towels, this also makes me crazy. Why aren't bath sheets, large fucking towels, the standard for showering? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
1: well, what, why is that well, like a. Well, special for somebody thing? like my wife, that would be would be enveloper, be, be, beyond enveloper. It wouldn't make any okay, sense. Okay, your
0: wife may be paper wafer thin and not be able to be seen if she's on the other side of a tree but she's tall she has a surface the, area the
1: she the i i way they ought to just make larger towels i agree with yeah
0: you. I, every time i mean i've been you know i've been spending this year in airbnbs and, and and trying out different neighborhoods and things and everywhere i go the towels are are made for people who are five feet tall
1: yeah like it's, why it's is it why like, why aren't like, bath
0: sheets yeah why aren't bath sheets giant, t- like beach-sized towels? Yeah. Why isn't that the standard no, for getting out a of a bath, towel? bath? Yeah, I don't or a shower. I don't understand. Yeah, it makes, and I'm not a huge guy. No I'm five sense.
1: eleven. Yeah, it makes no sense.
0: But towels are made for people that are five to five two.
1: I just don't get it. Yeah, anyway, well, I would. Ma- I would make that. I would make that part of the law. That I would. Yeah, I, I would that should be law. I would do this. The, this it would be this, this damn
0: law. The towel law, yeah, Yeah. call it the Benjamin Towel Act of twenty twenty one. Benjamin
1: Towel Act. You ask me what law I would make. Why isn't it the Beckett Towel Act? And I would, I would include a Benjamin Amendment, I would or a clause, the Benjamin Clause.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's not going to happen, Beckett. Um comes before Benjamin in the alphabet, so right there you're lost, you're screwed. What? Anyway, what? um, we're at the end of the show, and I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, as always, Joshua is lovely chatting always with you lovely here lovely at Locks and the Bagel. Always lovely. Yeah. Where where are we joining? Locks and the Bagel. Here at Locks and the Bagel. That's right. All right. Until next week. Saw, oh, by the way, yeah. for those of you who don't know, and you may already know, we've we've changed the day we release the podcast from Mondays to Wednesdays that was a Thanksgiving week shift because we took the week off last week so Wednesdays and it says so on all the podcast sites but I just wanted to remind everyone that Wednesday mornings will be the new release date of the podcast alright all right, Mazel tov. talk to you later Locks and the Bagel is a production of Kenjamin Media a curated series of conversations about things that matter for more information about our podcast please go to kenjaminmedia.com.